0: Welcome to this Uvila Audio presentation of The Caves of Fear by John Blaine. Volume 6 Chapter 13 The Black Buddha Long ago, according to the tale Chada had heard from his Indian Buddhist friends in the monastery, a high lama and some of the chief priests of Corse Lincoln forsook their vows and went in for piracy with the monastery as headquarters. For years they flourished, robbing travelers and even swooping down on Chinese cities across the border. The name of Corse Lincoln was known throughout the East as a place of terror. Between attacks, the High Lama and his priest made a mockery of the religion of Buddhism that they had sworn to uphold, and they built a huge caricature of Buddha, all in black with the face of a demon. Then went the legend, as they dedicated the great statue to the hordes of the mountain underworld. The Lord Buddha himself appeared in the sky, and stretched his hands out over them. The vast multitude of robbers fell to their knees and lifted their hands for mercy, and Lord Buddha, the gentle and merciful, gave them mercy. His voice rang through the mountains like the winds of heaven. Live, live unharmed, but live in fear. SO IT IS WRITTEN. The Buddha, so went the legend, then vanished, and a great wind sighed through the valley and bolts of lightning flashed from heaven. It grew black, black as the darkest night, and when the blackness cleared and the wind died, new mountains stood where the high lama and the multitude had been. The lamas, who had remained faithful to the teachings of Buddha, labored to build a new monastery, and as the years passed, they heard mutterings in the earth. Then one day a repentant lama, who had been one of the multitude, came forth. He was an old man. The high lama and the robbers still lived, he said, but they lived in the blackness under the new mountain, in vast caverns where no light ever came, and there were things in the darkness, things they could not see but of which they were terribly afraid. As Lord Buddha had said, they lived in fear. The little group was silent as Chada finished reciting the legend. Then the Hindu boy added, Of course this is so long ago, so very long. Maybe it is only a story, maybe not. The monks, of course, do know there are big cabins, and they know of this black Buddha. I know of it myself. But... More than that, I do not know. And it's from the Caves of Fear that the heavy water is presumed to come, Zircon finished. That's quite a tale, Chada. But how do we get to the Caves of Fear? The entrance is somewhere in the Cave of the Black Buddha, Chada said. At least that is what the monks have told me. Also, they showed me how to get there. But I did not go in. He shuddered a little. Who knows if the old High Lama might not be waiting? I thought it better to wait for you. Rick felt the weirdness of the tale also, but he made a joke. I didn't think hobgoblins would frighten you away, Chada. Chada didn't smile. People who live in the East do not laugh at hobgoblins, Rick. I was just trying to be funny, Rick apologized. Well, what do we do now? We look in the caverns for the source of the heavy water, Zircon stated. The sooner we start, the better. Chada, have you seen men with water bags heading out of here? Men with anything at all suspicious about them? The Hindu boy nodded. I have seen such men. Once I saw ten men going up the trail to the outside with such bags. The bags were all they had. I am sure the bags had heavy water. If not, why so many? Zircon told him of the plastic-lined bags they had found and of their suspicions. Chala saw the implications instantly. He grinned. We will find out plenty more about these water bags, you bet. I think I will go right now and find out if any more men with bags are going by today. He hurried off, getting into his monk's costume as he went. Rick watched him go, shaking his head with admiration. He's a wonder. I'll bet Bradley thinks so, too anyone would scotty agreed he gets things done wish i could say the same for us all we've done so far is travel while he did the work why don't we get busy busy how the scientist asked couldn't we look into the cave tonight i don't see that waiting until morning will help much if it's big cave. there won't be light in it anyway rick thought scotty had something there he pointed out that plenty of lights were in their packs, and they had the dark light camera besides. Hobart and Zircon thought it over, and then agreed. There is another advantage. Starting out tonight will attract less attention. We got here about dark, so the people in the area don't know we're here. They'll know in the morning, though, and we'll have a thousand sightseers hanging around, unless they're different from other people in Asia I've met. Unless anyone knows about our interests, the better. Sing nodded in agreement. That is right. By morning, many people will come to see the strangers. I doubt if they have seen very many white men before. The Chinese guide paused. But I don't know if I like the idea of going into strange caves while it is dark. As your little friend says, anything is possible in this part of the world, even hobgoblins. We wouldn't want you to come anyway, Sing. Rick said. He looked at Zircon for agreement. It would be better if you took care of our equipment and sort of acted as a rear guard. We'll need somebody to stand by in case we don't come out of the cave again. Are you afraid that hobgoblins will kidnap us? No, not hobgoblins. But if the heavy water is there, some of the Long Shadow's men will be there too. We probably can take care of ourselves. Only suppose they catch us by surprise. Zircon agreed. Rick is right, and even if there is no one in the cave, there remains the possibility of accident. I think we'll do well to leave Sing here. Then, if we're not out in twenty-four hours, he can take steps to get us out of here. That is wise, Sing agreed. They were debating what to take with them when Chana returned. He reported that some of the llamas had seen men with goatskin water bags late in the day, men that they knew to come from outside the valley traveling from the general direction of the cave of the black buddha it was such water carrying groups that had made Chada sure that the cave was the source there was no other nearby place that was possible as a source well that settles it rick said he told Chada what they had in mind Chada glanced at the sky the moon will be out in a little while with no moon we could not even get there it is too rough but if there are no clouds, we can go. Rick was a little surprised that Chahda hadn't objected in view of his apparent dislike of the whole idea. Then he realized that the little Hindu boy wasn't made that way. He might be afraid, but he would go. That was true bravery. After some discussion, they decided not to take their full equipment, but merely to use the trip to locate the entrance to the Caves of Fear. Once that was found... They could return and load up with gear and provisions. However, each of them took a few emergency rations, a full canteen of water, their weapons, and flashlights. Chada was given a big electric lamp to carry. Rick slung the dark light camera over his shoulder while Scotty changed his rifle sight for the infrared telescope. The moon was up by the time they were ready. They shook hands with Singh and started off, Chada leading. The way led across the valley at a slight angle, heading toward the river. At first, it was smooth going, with only high grass underfoot. Rick was enjoying himself. The moon gave light to the valley center, but the sides under the sheer mountain walls were shrouded in shadow. The peaks themselves, snow-capped to the west, were bright. Then Chada cut back away from the river toward the nearest mountain wall, The way began to get rougher with hillocks to climb and rocky outcroppings to skirt. Soon they were out of the grasslands entirely, walking through rock masses. Now and then they went from the moonlight into dense shadow and had to use their flashlights. Except for their flashlights, no man-made light disturbed the wild scene. They'd been traveling for some time. It was dark, and not even a fire in front of a herder's tent could be seen. By Rick's watch, it was almost eleven. It was closer to midnight when Chada stopped. He pointed to a rocky defile. This is as far as I went before. My friend who showed me said the cave is there. Zircon took the lead. Behind him, Rick put his own flashlight away and held his rifle ready for use. Scotty, too, was ready. Chadda, crowding Rick's steps, had the big light ready to turn on. Zircon's beam picked out rocky walls that rose for a hundred feet. He picked his way over tumbled rock. The others followed. The way took a sharp turn and then came to a dead end. There's nothing here. Zircon's light covered the area a foot at a time. There was no opening. Maybe we missed it, Scotty suggested. Let's go back and examine everything on the way. They reversed their steps. All of them used lights now, and the combined beams illuminated the steep walls brightly. Take a look at that, Scotty said suddenly. His light was on a pinnacle of rock that appeared to have some sort of opening behind it. He moved in cautiously, the others close behind. There was an opening, surely enough, where the pinnacle leaned against the main rock wall. There was just barely enough room to squeeze through. Zircon almost got stuck. Once past the opening, a new trail seemed to open up and at its end an aperture in the rock wall loomed black before them. "'That must be it,' Rick said. His voice echoed hollowly. Scotty moved ahead to the entrance and flashed his light inside. The beam was lost in the blackness beyond. "'It's big,' he said, and the words rolled around in the emptiness. Rick felt a shiver run down his back. "'What are you waiting for?' he demanded roughly. "'Let's go inside.' The opening wasn't large. Zircon had to duck going in. Rick was right behind him. Chada brought up the rear. Just inside they stopped, all lights going. The cave was tremendous. A level rock floor stretched away from them, and when they shot their lights upward, a vaulted dome reflected the beams a good hundred feet overhead. Slowly they moved away from the entrance lights busy searching the cave. There was nothing near the entrance but rock, solid and smooth, and it was so quiet that Rick thought he could hear his own heartbeat. Then his light beam picked up a green reflection on the far side of the cave. There's there's something there, he exclaimed. In spite of himself, his voice shook. We'll soon see, Scotty said. Their voices rumbled through the cave, echoing and re-echoing. Zirkan gave a sudden exclamation. Jada, where's the big light? The Hindu boy had been playing the bright beam on the walls to one side. Now he swung it squarely ahead, and Rick gasped. The Black Buddha. The Buddha seemed to crouch against the far wall. It was a giant, loathsome thing of dead black with live green eyes. They went toward it, all lights on the thing, as they made out more details, Rick shuddered. The Buddha was completely opposite of every other Buddha he had ever seen. Instead of the bland, quiet look of peace, this thing had its mouth open, showing sharp ebony teeth. It leered over a nose like a pig's, and its body was gross and misshapen. It was, Rick thought, toad-like, and quite frankly, it gave him the willies. His imagination gave it life so that the obscene lips smirked and almost seemed to drool. Something white at the base caught the light beams. In a moment, they stood before a pile of bones heaped against the shadow's left side. Zircon's light swept the bones. They're human, he said. Rick's scalp tightened. Next to him, Chada let out his breath in a sigh that was nearly a moan. In the second that they stood silently looking at the pile of bones, there came a slight sound from somewhere behind the black Buddha. Instantly their lights swept in the direction of the sound until Scotty hissed, Put him out! Blackness flooded in on them. Rick strained his eyes to see, his ears to hear. He tried to control his breathing, sure that its sound could be heard forty feet away. Then he saw a horizontal thread of light about three feet long against the wall behind the statue. It spread upward slowly, forming a rectangle. Rick watched it, his palms wet on the rifle as he tucked the flashlight away and gripped the weapon tightly. It was yellow light, eerie as a will-o'-wisp and scarcely stronger. Then, as Rick watched, a shadow rose up in a black, narrow path From the bottom of the rectangle, it rose and rose until it almost filled the frame, and the blackness was in the form of a man, almost, except that it was too long, and too thin. The four stood as though hypnotized for a dozen heartbeats. Then Zircon came to life. He jumped forward with a great roar. "It's long shadow." The light vanished. And again, blackness closed around them. Chapter 14. The Caves of Fear Instantly, all lights were directed at the back of the cave. Zircon rushed around the statue and stopped short as his light found only rock walls. He has to be here somewhere, the scientist mellowed. Hunt for him. Rick stood for a moment, estimating the direction from which the light had come. He walked to the part of the wall on which they had seen the shadow, and stood with his back to it. He flashed his light straight ahead, and it fell on the broad back of the Buddha. The others had followed his line of thought and were watching. Look for a door, Scotty said. He hurried to the back of the statue and began examining it with his light. Rick joined him. Zircon got out his jackknife and began to probe into cracks. Chahda got down on hands and knees and felt along the base. The back of the statue was seamed with cracks, but they ran helter-skelter without any apparent order. The illumination against which the shadow was cast had been rectangular. There's not a straight line in the bunch, Rick said, disappointed. What do we do now? There must be a way to open the door, or whatever it is zircon stated that's what we have to look for i think it may be the statue itself on the floor on the wall nearby rick you and scotty take the statue Chada and i will take the walls and floor what are we hunting for scotty asked i don't know maybe a knob maybe a keyhole look for anything unusual rick and scotty began at opposite sides of the statue's back and started working toward each other, examining every inch of the black stone minutely. Zircon and Chada started side by side on the wall behind the statue and worked away from each other. Rick used his jackknife to probe every suspicious crack or chip, but he had no success. He and Scotty covered the back as high up as they could reach without finding a thing. Zircon and Chada worked along the wall until they were thirty feet apart, then the scientists called a halt on the theory that the secret lock wouldn't be that far from the door. The door was either in the statue's back or near its base. While Zircon and Chahda started examining the floor, Rick and Scotty started on the statue's sides. There was more decoration along the sides, so they had to go more slowly and carefully. After a while, Chada called. There is something here. The others stopped what they were doing and hurried to him. The Hindu boy's light was on a tiny slot in the floor. It seemed shallow. Rick pointed out that the floor in the area was checkered, almost like a tile floor. There's got to be a reason for that, Sir Khan said. He knelt by the slot and peered into it. Nothing in the slot. Rick, isn't yours a scout knife? Yes, sir, Rick handed it to him. Sir Khan opened the screwdriver blade and pushed it into the slot. Nothing happened. He moved it from side to side with no effect. There must be some reason for that slot, Scotty said. Try again, Professor. Push harder. Zircon shoved the blade down into the hole and pushed. There has to be a special key of some kind, he said finally. That is, if the slot has anything to do with the door. I suggest we continue the search until we're satisfied that this is the only possibility. Rick nodded, disappointed. He turned back to the statue and took a step forward, into space. A wild yell burst from him as he felt himself falling. Then Scotty had him by the jacket and was hauling him back. Rick collapsed on the stone floor, heart pounding. The others shot their flashlights into the place where he had just stepped. A section of the floor had swung upward, right at the base of the statue. It yawned open, and from its lip, a flight of steps led downward. It worked, Chada said, but it was so silent we never heard it. Scotty gripped his rifle and snapped off the safety catch, and holding the weapon in one hand like a pistol, he took his flashlight on the other and started down. Zircon was right behind him. Rick got to his feet and felt for the dark light camera. It hadn't been jarred because his body had cushioned it, but he wanted to be sure the strap was still secure on his shoulder. Satisfied that all was well, he started down the steps after Zircon. He didn't fancy going into the underground part of the cave, but he didn't have much choice. This was what they had come for. There were ten broad stone steps carved from the rock. Rick shot his light around and saw that a heavy beam ran from the underside of the trap door down to the bottom of the stairs, where it ended in a stone block. It was a counterbalance, the weight of the stone evidently just enough heavier than the door, so that moving the latch would let it swing open. The latch itself was a piece of metal, probably bronze, that slid in a channel carved into the underside of the door. Rick guessed that the sideways pressure of the blade in the slot had let the door open, rather than the downward shove Zircon had given. A cord of leather ran from the latch back along the corridor so that anyone entering the rock tunnel could tug on it and open the door without climbing the stairs. Rick joined Zircon and Scotty at the bottom of the steps. Chada was right behind him. The stairs ended in a long, low passage just high and wide enough for a man to pass. It was perhaps 50 feet long and ended in blackness that indicated a bigger passage or another cave beyond. Rick touched the walls and noted the marks of ancient chisels. The passage had been cut in living rock. Have the rifles ready, Chada. You have the big light. Lead the way. We'll cover you. Chada switched on his big light and took the lead. The others, rifles ready for instant use, followed close behind. Big Zircon held his weapon over Chada's shoulder as the Hindu boy walked slowly down the passage. In a moment, they were at the entrance to the next passage or cave. Chada peered in, turning his light from side to side. Zircon, looking over his head, said, A large cave beyond. Very large. Chada, do you see anything? Chada shook his head. No, just rock. Nothing in sight. I can see. All right, go ahead. The Hindu boy stepped into the cave, the rest following. Rick saw that Zircon hadn't exaggerated. This cave was even larger than the one that held the Black Buddha. Chata's big light picked out the opposite wall only dimly. The scientist brought his own light into play, turning it on the walls nearest them. Odd. The character of the rock changes completely. This is almost certainly limestone. Rick had to grin. Even chasing Long Shadow through an underground cavern couldn't quiet Zircon's scientific curiosity. "'What do we do now, Professor?' he asked. Zircon looked up from his examination of the whitish rock. "'Ah? Oh, oh, sorry, Rick. Uh, I suppose we explore a bit more. I don't think we'd better go far. Uh, now that we know that Long Shadow is here, we had better return to camp and get extra food, batteries, ammunition.' "'However, I'd like to look at the opposite side. "'There must be further passages "'because this cave doesn't contain our friend.' "'Suppose,' Scotty started to say. "'But Rick never found out what Scotty was going to say, "'for at that moment the four whirled "'as something grated behind them. "'They were in time to see metal rods slam home "'across the entrance through which they had come. "'Rick and Scotty reached the entrance first. Each of the boys grabbed one of the rods and tugged. They were rigid. We're locked in! Zircon's voice was harsh. Let me look. The boys stood back while he made a careful inspection from the floor to the top of the passage entrance. The metal bars did seem to block the way completely. They were about an inch thick, spaced only six inches apart. They had shot out of holes on one side of the passage and lodged in corresponding holes on the opposite side. None of them had noticed the holes. They had been too curious about what lay beyond the passage. Zircon put his massive strength against one of the bars. It didn't budge. He tried to slide it either way. There wasn't even a fraction of an inch of slack. He turned and at the expression on his face, a shiver slid down Rick's spine. Long Shadow had caught them neatly, and now they were trapped in the Caves of Fear. Chapter 15 The Labyrinth Zircon led the three boys to the center of the big cave, then spoke in a whisper, "'I see no need in advertising our plans to the enemy. Keep your voices down. Now, what are we going to do?' Well, Long Shadow must be watching us from somewhere, Scotty said uneasily. But from where? The walls are uneven, Rick pointed out. There could be peepholes anywhere. But what I'd like to find is the place where the controls are for that gate. It can't be far from the entrance. That is true, Chada agreed. He turned the big light on the barred entrance and then played it back and forth across the walls on that side of the cave. There was no break anywhere. Turn it on the other side, Sir Khan ordered. Shada did so. Now that they were closer to the far wall, openings could be seen. There were two, both of them door sized, except for the entrance through which they had come. They were the only openings in the cave. Rick spoke up, and he was surprised that there was no shakiness in his voice. Look, Gang, if we stay here waiting for Long Shadow to open up, we might be here forever. I'd rather push on, at least for a little way. Zircon looked at Scotty. You're the military expert. What chance do we have in a fight? Scotty shrugged. In an open fight, we have a good chance. Our rifles are better than any I've seen around here. We can fire a lot faster. But if they start pot-shotting at us from around corners and through holes in the rock, well, he didn't have to finish. Better that we go ahead,'' Chada said. Sir Khan hesitated. ''This is the only entrance to the caverns, and it seems likely Long Shadow has trapped himself in here just like us. He'll have to open it up to get out.'' ''Rick didn't think so. There's no opening onto the Black Buddha except the one we came through, but we didn't look for another passage very thoroughly, so there might be another door of some kind.'' ''You're right.'' Sir Khan agreed. All right, fine. Let's try going on. Rick, you bring up the rear and keep looking back. Rick objected. Wouldn't it be better for me to go ahead and use the infrared beam with the glasses? Then I could see perfectly. The scientist considered. It would be better if the caves ahead are large, yeah. If they're not, our flashlights will do just as well. I think we'd better save the infrared battery as long as possible. Incidentally, did you bring a spare? Of course I have a spare, Rick said. Uh But it's not here. It's back at camp. They had been planning a brief trip of exploration. Rick hadn't thought that spare batteries would be necessary. Now he blamed himself for being so short-sighted. It was always best to be prepared for anything. Can't be helped now, Scotty said. Speaking of batteries, we'd better use only two flashlights at a time, one in front and one in back. That's a good idea, Zircon approved. I'll take the lead. Scotty next, and Chada, and Rick as rear guard. Now which of the entrances do we try first? I vote for the one on the right. The scientist strode toward the deeper darkness of the entrance and shot his light inside. The, the others took up the positions he had assigned. Rick kept his flashlight beam moving around the big cave, watching for any sign of an enemy. "'Another passage,' Sir Khan said. His voice echoed hollowly. "'Cover our rear, Rick.' They went into it single file, Rick walking sideways in order to keep looking back for a possible enemy. Then, as the others stopped suddenly, he fell over Chada. He heard the scientist say, "'Dead end. Nothing but a blank wall.' rick lead the way out we'll try the other the second passage gave better results it wound through the limestone for a short distance and then opened into a small cave filled with wonderful white rock formations stalactites and stalagmites zircon boomed i suspect we're getting into the deeper caverns now those hollowed out by water and not by men question is, which way do we go now? Rick took his eyes from the way they had come long enough to look around. The cave was like a junction room. Openings branched off in all directions. Scotty switched on his flashlight and began examining the cave floor. Look for signs, he directed. If men have come this way, they must have left some sort of traces. Chata hurried to look too. Rick stood where he was, light and eyes going from one opening to another. He didn't intend to be caught off guard. Scotty gave a grunt of satisfaction and stood up. Candle wax, he announced, and it leads through here. He pointed to a gap between two fluted columns made by centuries of dripping water that had deposited countless grains of limestone. Zircon immediately walked to the gap and peered through. Come on! There's another cave beyond. The next cave was larger, and nowhere in it was there evidence that man had occupied it. Rick looked around, awed by the bizarre beauty of the place. From ceiling and floor, limestone icicles strained toward each other. They were the stalactites and stalagmites that Zircon had mentioned. They'd been formed over centuries by slow drops of water, each of which had left tiny traces of limestone to help build up the formation. On one wall of the cave, the water deposits had carved a waterfall, so perfect it might have been frozen into white rock only moments before, and from every grain of stone their flashlight beams twinkled and reflected until it seemed the walls were crusted with jewels. There is mold wax over here, Chada called. He had found it near an irregular low opening Zircon went through the opening an inch at a time, on hands and knees. The others followed to find themselves in a cave almost identical to the one they had just left, except for the stone waterfall. This cave, too, had walls broken in a number of places. Rick and Zircon flashed their lights around, seeking the next step. Then Rick caught a quick glimpse of something red that was moving. Quick as a flash, he shifted his hand to the stock of the rifle, pointed it like a pistol, and fired. The red object vanished. The thunderous echo of the shot, reverberating through the cave, drowned out his yell. He sprang through the entrance where he had seen the flash of red and found himself in still another cave. Scotty was right behind him. What is it? Scotty demanded. I think it was a man, Rick said quickly. He was wearing something red. Come on, he can't be very far from here. Which way? There was no way of telling which way the man had gone. There were a half-dozen openings in the cave walls. Rick pointed to two of the biggest. You take that one, I'll take this one. Rifle ready and flashlight held in front of him, he ran through the break in the wall he had indicated. Scotty hurried to the other. If only they could get their hands on even one man, Rick thought. They might force him to serve as a guide. He passed through another cave, choosing the biggest entrance on the opposite wall. As he went through it he was certain he saw a movement as though their quarry had just rounded a corner he let out a yell and lengthened his stride in a moment he reached the corner rounded it and found himself in an odd cave with countless pillars formed where stalactites from the ceiling and stalagmites from the floor had joined together it was a literal labyrinth he started through it got maybe 50 feet and stopped The man he had chased surely knew his way around the caves. There was no hope of overtaking him now. Better rejoin the others, Rick thought. It was senseless to get too far away from his companions. He turned and started back and then hesitated, not sure the way he had come. The corridors formed by the limestone pillars led in all directions. I must have come this way, he muttered, and started off. Then he stopped again, played his light around. He couldn't be sure. Suddenly worried, he ran forward and was brought to a halt by a solid wall. He turned and hurried along it, seeking an opening. He found one, but smaller than the one through which he had come. He plunged on and found a big opening and went through it into an irregular cave unlike any he had seen before. He turned to retrace his steps and his eyes met a wall where the openings were separated only by glistening partitions of limestone. He couldn't even be sure which of those he had just entered from. He licked lips that were suddenly dry. I can't lose my head, he told himself sternly. Gotta stay calm. But in spite of his warnings to himself, he felt panic rising within him. He was completely, hopelessly lost.